Good morning, everybody. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Debbie. I know some of you, I don't know all of you. So on the count of three, everybody just tell me your name, okay? One, two, three. Thanks. Now I know all of you. Not really. Not really. Just knowing somebody's name does not actually make that relationship where we know each other. But what if we know a little bit more than just each other's name? For example, a couple weeks ago in a recent membership class, um, I met a family. Some of you may know Tayo. He plays percussion on the worship team sometimes. I know they're here this morning. His wife's name is Afalaki, and their daughters are Eni and Alari. But that doesn't mean that I know them. Not really. No more than I know all of you who just yelled your names at me. But Luke Knowles. How many know Luke Knowles? Or know his name? <laughs> now see, I know Luke Knowles. Because not only do I know his name, I know his wife. We work together here at the church quite often. I know that Luke is a full-time student studying nursing. I know that they feel a call of God for missions on their lives. I even went all the way from kindergarten through graduation at high school with Luke's dad, Corey, in the valley. So I know Luke Knowles. <laughs> but do I? Do I really know him? More importantly, does he know himself? Does he know who God created him to be? Does he know who he is in Christ? I think he's on that journey, aren't you, Luke? Yeah. Thanks for letting me pick on you. Your wife gave me permission. <laughs> what about us? Do we know ourselves? Do we know who we are? Do you know who you are? It may seem like a funny question, but think it through. I believe that sometimes we get so caught up in what we do or what has happened to us that we can actually forget who we are. Now, I don't mean that you forget what your name is or we have temporary amnesia, but we can have an identity crisis. We forget who God has created us to be, who God has called us to be. Because I believe that God knows each one of us and has called each one of us. Let me pray. God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that we are created in your image. I thank you that you have a plan and a purpose, not just for my life, but for every life represented in this place and on this earth today. God, I pray that as we look into your word this morning, God, make yourself real. God, give us ears to hear you calling us and you giving us that purpose in our lives as we serve you. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalm 139, verse 13, sorry, verse 16, says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. I might not know you, and you might be in a season where you're not even sure if you know yourself, but God knows you. He has known you since before you were born. Revelation chapter 4 
Verse 11 says, you are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. All things. Everybody say all things. All things. That means me. That means you. We are all things. We were created because God was pleased to create us. We are not accidents. God saw and he was pleased to create us. Sometimes we can think of ourselves as our job or a duty rather than who God says we are. We come to think of ourselves as our tasks. Maybe you're a mom here today and you begin to define yourself as a diaper changer, a chauffeur, the homework nagger, the stalker of the fridge. Maybe you're a student here today and you define yourself by what you're studying or what you've decided to be. I'm a med student and I'm going to be a pediatrician. And that becomes your identity. Or you're a high school student you say, I don't have any idea what I want to be. I don't have an identity yet. Or maybe you tell people your name and your profession when somebody asks who you are. But do you know who you were created to be? I believe it is so easy to end up in a type of an identity crisis. I remember a few years ago, Glenn was working on an assignment for a, a pastoral leadership course that he was taking, and he asked me, what, what are the hats that I wear? Like, that was part of the thing. They had to list off um, all of the things that they did. And, and I started listing them. I was like, well, you're a husband and a, you're the breadwinner, you're my spiritual leader, you're a maintenance man, my tire rotator, the floor washer, yes he is, <laughs> my floor washer, plumber, electrician, gardener, snow shoveler, bug squisher, catcher of mice, because I don't do bugs or mice, he's my biggest encourager, chief cook and bottle washer, and that's just to name a few. And that's what he does for me. That doesn't even begin to touch on what he does for our kids, for our neighbors, for you as our congregation. But those are the things that he does. That's not who he is. And that can be something that we get caught up in. We get lost in all the things that we do or the situations around us, and we aren't even quite sure who we are anymore. We have an identity crisis. Well, this morning we're going to look at a couple in the Bible who had a call of God on their lives, but circumstances made them forget who it was that God said that they were and his plan for them. When we first meet Abraham and Sarah in Genesis chapter 11, their names were Abram and Sarai. Later on we'll learn about God changing their names to fit their identities. Their story unfolds over many chapters. I think it goes from Genesis chapter 11 up to 25. Wow, did you hear that? That was a really good slosh in there. Up to chapter 25. Encourage you to read it at some point. I am not going to take this morning to read 14 chapters of Scripture to you, but we're going to touch on some highlights that I think um, outline what I'm going to call Abraham and Sarah's identity crisis. So Genesis chapter 11, verse 29, says, Meanwhile, Abram and Naor, his brother, both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai. 
And then verse 30 says, But Sarai was unable to become pregnant and had no children. I want to look at some things that can steal your identity from you, steal your identity in Christ. The first thing is what was. As we parallel Abram and Sarah's stories to our lives today, we have to realize that there are things that have been said to us, things that have said, uh, been said about us, maybe things that have happened to us before we heard the voice of God in our lives. And that will try to limit us and limit what we think we are capable of. This is the very first account in the Bible of Abraham and Sarai. And the first thing we find out, they get married, she can't have kids. How's that for going down in history as the very first thing ever said about you? You can't, something you cannot do. That's like me saying, or Glenn introducing me as, hi, this is my wife Debbie and she can't carry a tune in a bucket. Being the first thing that you ever hear about me. It's not really a flattering thing. Was it true? Absolutely. Sarai did not have any children. She had not been able to become pregnant. Abraham was not a father. But just because something is true does not make it the end of the story. Amen. You might be a mom surrounded by dirty diapers, snotty noses, and whiny kids. It might be true, but that's not the end of the story. Moms of little kids, they do grow up, I promise you. It's not the end of the story. Young person, maybe you have dreamt of getting a university degree, but your family says, well, nobody in our family has ever done that before. Well, that might be true, but that's not the end of the story. Adults, maybe you've been told that your ideas for business are just too risky. Maybe you've retired and you feel like you've lost your identity. Maybe somebody claimed that you have two left feet and you cannot dance. A million or so other facts can be said, facts, that may be true, but these things do not create your identity. Perhaps they create an identity crisis. Just verses after we're told that Sarah was unable to become pregnant, God tells Abraham in Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3, I will make you a great nation, into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. God promises Abram that he will be made into a great nation. That's a little hard to reconcile when you're 75 years old and you have not had any children yet. God's plan was to bless Abram and Sarai. His plan was that they would become a great nation, that godly leaders and rulers would come from that line. Joseph, the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus, is from the line of Abraham. We can only see the here and now, but God plans for generations and generations. He gives us glimpses of that. He speaks those plans into the corners of our lives the corners of our hearts, and we have to treasure those things that God speaks to us and nurture those things and not let what was limit what can be. Please do not allow what was to determine your identity 
instead of what God has declared over you. The second identity stealer that I want to look at is the weight. Ten years after God spoke to Abram, there were still no children. Abram allowed the passing of time to translate into the passing of God's plan. In chapter 15, Abram has forgotten what God spoke to him, and God reiterates his plan again. Genesis chapter 15, verses 2 to 6. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit my wealth. You've given me no descendants of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. Verse 4 says, Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir. For you will have a son of your own who will be your heir. Then the Lord took Abram outside and said to him, Look up into the sky. Count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you will have. Verse 6 says, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him righteous because of his faith. Maybe you heard God's voice once. Maybe he placed a dream in your heart or downloaded his plan into your very being. You've been able to overcome things that have been said in your past, but it's been so long since he showed you those things that you've forgotten what he said. Memories fade. The day-to-day takes up most of our lives. The dream has been on the back burner for a very long time. I believe God wants to restore those dreams in you, that identity that he created you, was pleased to create you to fulfill. Maybe a prophecy was given over you, but it seems like nothing has moved forward towards its fulfillment. Maybe years ago, God stirred something in your heart, but you don't understand how that could be birthed from you. Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Believe that you are who God says you are, and that he will accomplish what he wants to accomplish in and through you. Believe in God. Don't allow the weight to steal your God-given identity from you. Trust his timing, and he'll bring about what he spoke over you. What was can cause an identity crisis. The weight can steal your God-given identity from you. And number three, identity stealer is my way. Or your way. Our way. Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 to 3. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. That's a lie right there, but that was her perspective. Sometimes our perspective is our truth. The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Sarai came up with her own plan. Let's speed the process along. Let's help God out here. Doesn't he know how old my husband is? 
Doesn't he know that it's been 10 years? He must not know how hard this is for me to face all those girls having babies. Okay, so let me make one thing clear here. Men. Scripture says, Abram agreed with Sarai's proposal. Can I just say that we, your wives, do not need you to agree with everything that we say? (laughs) Am I allowed to say that? Yes, dear, is not always the right answer, as shown in this scripture. Most of the time, yes. There is wisdom in going along with our proposals and the things that we suggest, yes. But if we are trying to out-plan God, please put the brakes on and stop us. We cannot outplan God. His ways are higher. His ways are greater. His ways are perfect. Women, don't try to rush ahead of God. We do that. Men, don't try to fix God's plan. It's not broken. And you do that. <laughs> Trust him. Abraham believed God in chapter 15, and here he is agreeing with Sarai's plan just one chapter later. Sometimes God is working in ways that we can't see or understand to make his plan unfold. Believe in his ways. I'm reading a book right now, Glenn got me for Christmas, by an author called Lisa Turkhurst. And the book is called, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And I want to share a quote. She says, To trust God is to trust his timing. To trust God is to trust his way. God loves me too much to answer my prayers at any other time than the right time and in any other way than the right way. Let me repeat part of that. God loves me too much to answer my prayers at any other time than the right time and in any other way than the right way. Sometimes we can't see what he's doing, but it doesn't mean that he's not working his plan in us. Hold on to that identity that he has placed in you. So we looked at the what was. We talked about the weight and how hard that can be trying to have our own way. But I want to look this morning also at how to avoid the identity crisis. How to put something in place so that these stealers of our identity can't take that from us. In order for that to happen, we have to know who we are. We have to know who we are. We saw in chapter 12, God telling Abram that he will make him into a great nation. In chapter 15, God showed him the stars and reiterated the plan. And after Sarah tried things her way, God again explains who he created Abram to be. And to help Abram and Sarai remember, he changes their name so that there would be no doubt. Genesis chapter 17, verses 4 to 7. And then I'll skip down to verses 15 and 16. So starting at verse 4 of Genesis 17. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. 
It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you from generation to generation. This is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. Verse 15, God said to Abraham, regarding Sarah, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah, and I will bless her and give you a son from her. Yes, I will bless her richly, and she will become the mother of many nations. Kings of nations will be among her descendants. Now, God might not go through such drastic measures as changing your name, but I do believe that he wants you to know who he has called you to be, who he thinks you are. I believe some of us might be in a bit of an identity crisis. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. Well, I want you to know today who God says you are. And the answer to that is always found in the Word of God, right? These aren't going to be up on the screen, but they are in your Bible. Who God says that you are in this place today. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalm 139.14. You are chosen, 1 Thessalonians 1.4. You are called of God, 2 Timothy 1.9. You are being changed into his image, 2 Corinthians 3.18. You are a new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.7. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 6.19. You are forgiven of all of your sins, Ephesians 1.7. You are blessed, Galatians 3.9. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not belief. That's Deuteronomy 28, verse 13. You are free from condemnation, Romans 8.1. You are reconciled to God. 2 Corinthians 5.18, you are more than a conqueror. You are accepted in him. You are complete in him. You are dead to sin. You are alive with Christ. You have the mind of Christ. You can do all things in Christ Jesus. You are the light and the salt of the world. You always triumph in Christ. You are beloved of God. You are victorious. You are set free. You are strong in the Lord. You are healed by his wounds. This is our identity in Christ. This is who we are called to be. Genesis 21, verses 1 and 2. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly as he had promised. She became pregnant and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. And this happened at just the time God said it would. The Lord kept his word and did exactly as he had promised. And this happened at just the time that God said it would. 
believe that? Can we believe that for ourselves today? That the promises that God has spoken over you, these declarations that I say are your identity in Christ, he's working. He keeps his word. He fulfills his promises that he's spoken over you. And it happens at just the time that he says it will. Just like Abraham and Sarah, what was cannot claim your identity. The weight does not change your calling. Trying your own way for a season does not change the fact that God, has, God loves you, he has called you, he has given you an identity in Christ, he has made you new. Knowing who we are in Christ stops the enemy from being able to steal our identities. Stand with me today. I want to pray for you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, I thank you that you were pleased to create each one of us. God, I pray for those right now that maybe you're just realizing for the very first time that, that you have known them since before they were ever even born, that you have planned wonderful things. God, I pray for those today that maybe have never found that identity to begin with that comes from knowing you. If that's you today and you're realizing that you don't know that you even have an identity in Christ, and that that's something that, that you feel maybe your heart being drawn to. Maybe it's pounding a little bit harder. The way to know Christ is so easy. It's just to admit that we are all sinners, that each one of us, that I have sin in my life. To believe that God has sent a way to be reconciled from him because that sin separates us from the love of God and to believe that that way is through his son Jesus who died to pay the penalty for our sin but as we sang earlier that death did not have the victory that Jesus was resurrected he came back to life three days later he has power over the grave to bring us eternal life not that we won't ever physically die, but that we get to spend eternity with God. So you, we admit that we're a sinner. We believe that God is who he says he is. And we just confess him as Lord and Savior. God, I pray for those today that may be doing that for the very first time. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. God, I also pray for those who maybe have been 
had their identity stolen by things that have been spoken over them, things that have been spoken about them or to them. Lord, maybe things that seem like they are facts and cannot change, but God, I pray that you would show them that just because something is does not mean that it will always be, that your ways are higher, that your ways are greater, that God, your plans in our lives overrule everything else. God, that you would bring healing from the words that have stolen the identities of your children. Speak, Lord, to our hearts today. God, I pray over those who heard your call, who know, have known their identity, but the wait to see it unfold has seemed so long. God, I pray that you would, Lord, raise up those around them that will lift them, that will encourage them, that will help them, Lord, to continue running the race. God, that you would give us a perseverance to work through, to fight through. God, to wait on you. Thank you, God. God, I pray for those that maybe are recognizing that they've tried things their own way. God, that they know that plan, that purpose. They've, they've heard your call. But God, in the waiting God, they've decided to try to make it happen on their own. God, I pray. God, forgive us when we try to take control from you. God, I pray, as your word says, Lord, that you would do exactly as you have promised. And at just the time that you've planned something to be that it will be. God, these declarations from your word over who we are. God, I know that there are some of those that touched hearts here this morning. God, that there are those that maybe are struggling to believe that they are forgiven of all of their sins. God, maybe condemnation has been heaped on. God, that they feel that somehow they're not accepted in you. God, I pray you would drive us to your word. God, that you would drive us into your presence. God, so that we would know that we know the power of your word, the calling of our lives. Lord, our identities in you. God, and we look forward to being a church marching forward in the confidence of knowing who we are in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.